0: From commander's palace restaurant in new orleans we're out to lunch with economist peter Raschuti. it's business new orleans style
1: hi and welcome to the show i'm peter Raschuti, and i'm out to lunch at commander's palace with two very special guests shelly wagasback the co-owner of one of new orleans oldest and best known businesses pat o'brien's on bourbon street and robbie ventrano now he's chairman of trumpet advertising and co-founder one of New Orleans' newest and fastest-growing businesses, Naked Pizza. We're going to learn a lot today, not just about cocktails and pizza, but how to launch a brand successfully and how to keep a brand successful and what part New Orleans plays in branding a local business from the traditional roots of our city to the new post-Katrina perspective. Shelley, Bourbon Street bars are not places that most local New Orleanians have a great deal of affection for as an entertainment destination, but Pat O'Brien's is completely different. It's so beloved by New Orleanians that we call it affectionately O's. Uh, What is it that sets Pat O'Brien's apart from every other bar in that region?
2: Oh well, one, our ambiance, the atmosphere is is completely different than any other Bourbon Street bar. And actually, we started out on St. Peter Street at 718. St. Peter is actually where the bar is. The restaurant is on Bourbon Street, um, but our 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 tradition, our history, the the fact that we're three, four, or five generations into the into the game makes a big difference in the mentality of how somebody perceives us. Um, We've had engagements. We've had anniversaries. We've had you know p- milestones that that occur in people's lives have happened at Paddos. And we have um, just the long history. It's 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 really. It, it, it still amazes me how special Pat O'Brien's is to some people in, in their hearts. And we get emails all the time. We get pictures from people cleaning out their grandmother's closet. Or we get, um, you know, somebody's frat picture from last
1: year. When I go in there, I see the bar on the left and then the piano bars to the right. Is there, um, is there one end that's more, is, is the best known? Do people come in looking for one end of that bar? or
2: Certain people, certain yeah. people. Absolutely have to go to the piano bar when they come to, to the French Quarter. I like to sing, and that's helpful. Yeah, so. I mean, it gets your, it gets your inner uh, wild person out. You get to clap your hands and sing with piano players so you kind of feel like you're, you are part of the show, and that's what makes the piano bar so, so, um, so popular. But isn't
1: that tough, Shelley? You've got the situation where you've got it's such an iconic brand, uh, but you've k- been able to keep it fresh. Where some things have been old and uh, they, they've sort of lost their luster over the years. Have you made changes? What has it, it taken?
2: We make simple changes. We don't do. We don't make major changes to the facility, to our um, our the way we do things, our drink prices, the food, and things like that. We just make subtle changes because you have to. If you don't make changes and and adjust with the with the market, with the time, you will just kind of fall back and you will get kind of you know swept under the carpet. And we continuously reintroduce Pat O'Brien's and our brand to. Younger people, and it used to be you know you, you when we when it was only the bar you you would try to introduce the brand to 17 18 year olds when drinking age was lower. Right, it so happened when the drinking age turn, right when the drinking <laughs> age went to 21. Probably
1: apparently remembers that <laughs> um, We had very to very fondly
2: um, <laughs> when the drinking age turned to 21. We really had to rethink what we were doing. And my dad is incredible in forward thinking. So he knew that we needed to open a private party facility a restaurant and then we took it from there we meeting the rest of us that uh, work for him um but we took it from there but it was you, you, you have to change with the times and you have to keep fresh in our case we try to stay fresh but we have to stay traditional that's a too. that's
1: a fine line to walk it is there's a <laughs> now robbie healthy pizza is one of those ideas you hear about that's so great you can't help thinking why didn't I think of it? Yeah, uh, yeah. What started out as an unassuming little shack on Claiborne Avenue called the World's Healthiest Pizza, next to Ted's Frost Top, uh, another, another iconic place, is uh, now a nationwide, worldwide franchise that is called Naked Pizza.
3: How did all that happen? It was um, a, a lot of a lot of luck along the way, but but it is an inspired idea, I mean, and, and it's inception. And uh, there, are, there are four founders associated with the company, and one very important piece of it was that it actually grew out of the work of an anthropologist, an anthropologist. who specializes in ancient diets. So so the his observations and his studies, essentially in, in studying how people ate over time, so over human evolution, uh, there was a, a very specific diet we ate. It was basically a diversity of mostly plant-based foods. And... It was that diet that essentially contributed to you know the the, f- the present form that we enjoy today. Now, in recent times, and from an evolutionary perspective, really a blink of the eye. Can I say evolutionary? You said I can say bad. I words. think you can. There's, uh, yeah, there's so, another, am, the, um, so um, if we give each equal time a a to creationism, a a a I think we will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> intelligent design, bring it in. But the. Um, from an evolutionary perspective, it's literally been a blink of an eye that sort of modern processing food has come into play. So what we would know is uh, you know, highly processed foods and foods that are not only designed to have longer shelf lives, uh, but also to taste a certain way. Uh, and also then there's, you know, we could go on for days and days about the farm bill and agricultural policy and monocrops, et cetera. But safe to say that we eat a very different diet than we've eaten over time. And if you look at and some of the like some of the lifestyle diseases, right? Yep. Obesity has reached epidemic proportions, literally in the blink of an eye, literally within my lifetime, that it's gone from something that was sort of fringe to now becoming one of the more pressing issues. Or chronic diseases associated with diet, such as diabetes, uh, uh, digestive diseases such as Crohn's, even cardiovascular diseases. A great percentage of cardiovascular disease are diet related, inflammation related. So, the observation was we made some changes and not for the better. We basically consume a diet of food that our bodies no longer recognize as food. So it was that observation that led to thinking about, okay, could you formulate something that would be about essentially reacquainting people with a diet that they used to enjoy, but in the context of our modern lives? So if you look at business models in general, not just food business models, you have a hard time arguing that the most successful business model in the world is fast food, right? So fast food, uh, it fits the modern hand perfectly, you know, in terms of an overstressed, over-scheduled society. You know, what's more compelling when you've got a minivan full of kids coming from soccer practice in a drive-through window, right? So, uh, and, and if you go to a developing country, if you and I went to India right now or went to, you know, parts of Africa, what we would see what's waiting as sort of a relative middle class emerges we would see fast food waiting. You know, we would see the golden arches waiting. So fast food's very shrewd about in in terms of its research, its manufacturing, its distribution, its marketing, in terms of really understanding where society's going. So the idea was to say instead of vilifying fast food, let's basically make fast food work a little bit better. Let's create a product that helps instead of harms. And let's make it available to people. Let's make it solve the basic societal problem that fast food solves. So it was from that that the concept was born. Now, so that's the easy part, all right? The hard part is actually making it work, because restaurant business, as Shelley understands, very, very difficult. I mean, you put all the pieces together. So you had four people that basically was a scientist, a real estate guy, a branding guy, and one of the first managers of the first Naked Pizza, a recent graduate of Loyola, uh, who became partners in this endeavor. One stroke of luck was Mark Cuban, right as the recession started to hit, put out his open this stimulus. the guy that owns the Mavericks? The guy so? that owns the Mavericks. Okay. The guy who made $7 billion selling broadcast.com, the Yahoo. So a highly successful business person. He put out this business plan competition. And so we responded to this business plan competition. And basically the rules were very Mark Cuban. It said, uh, uh, if you have a business idea, I'll listen to it. If I like it, I may talk to you. If I don't, I won't. Uh, it needs to be cash flow positive in 60 days. And uh, and no NDAs, so if you're willing to play by the rules. So he received, I think, 14,000 submissions. Uh, he replied the next day. He ended up talking to 14 people, and he decided to invest in From two. And you were
1: of that? And we were one of those, yeah. Wow, and, and, and Rob, Robbie's got us to the point where, you know, you've got this great product, and that's coming back to Shelly where, but then you decide you want to expand it. Like you have, um, we think of you on you know Bourbon St. Peter, but. You, when did you decide to have the other outlets? The,
2: the franchises? Yeah. Uh, we opened our first franchise in 1991 in Cancun, and it was really just as an experiment to see if our concept was something that would work in other markets. And being in Cancun, it just seemed kind of... Uh, seemed my, my father was good friends with someone in Cancun in Mexico City, and he had... The space he had the money and it just all kind of worked out. So th- we opened as a management agreement rather than a franchise and kind of worked out all the, the the kinks over the over the next few years um, and realized that the concept as it is in New Orleans wasn't working as much in Cancun, mainly the piano lounge. I mean, it's right. it, that was obvious going in.
3: As well,
1: yeah.
2: You don't want to sit in a piano lounge; you want to sit in an open air. So we tweaked that a little bit.
1: And then now you're, I, what Was it, I've seen San
2: Antonio? We have one in San Antonio and in Universal Studios in Orlando. And, uh, and, and so is, well. is Cancun no longer open? Cancun is no longer open, unfortunately. But we've got the other two. That's uh, And yeah. now that you're getting the hang of it, I mean, there could be further expansion from there? We're, we're constantly getting requests in other cities. And it's really, um, it's a personal issue with us because it, it is a family business. And and our employees feel the the family um, atmosphere and that comes off to the customers. And I think that's part of the reason why people love Pat O'Brien so much is the employees love working there. They know that they're appreciated. So, yeah. um, but, the, but the, it, it, it was quite a decision to start franchising because you don't always have that much trust in those to carry out your brand and your, your image um, perfectly. Right, and it's right. hard to find that passion in somebody who wants to spend most of their life running something like Pat O'Brien's.
1: If you were going to run anything, that would be the thing <laughs> to run. Though <laughs> yeah. it's,
2: it's a fun, it, it is a fun, <laughs> a fun operation. You know, a lot of work though.
1: Uh, this is a uh, part of the show. We like to find out a little bit more about the guests and on a personal note, and uh, we call it the checklist. And. Uh, we're going to take a little break and go through a list of quick-fire questions that you probably won't find on a loan application. I'll start with Shelly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Shelly, uh, worst date you've ever had.
2: I'm sorry, what? Worst
1: date you've ever had.
2: Um, a guy that I went to Lafitte's blacksmith shop, and he was just hands, too many hands going on. Wow. Yes. Yeah.
1: At that old institution.
2: Yeah, it's it was a great place, but the guy, of course, was not my right. choice. Lafitte himself, I believe, had a hook for him. Yeah. So it, was, uh, <laughs> it would have been more, more trolley. Uh, Robbie,
3: what about, <laughs> worst date you've ever had? Uh, worst date? I, I got auctioned off at one of those uh, most oh. eligible bachelor things oh. in uh, Santa Barbara. Before uh. I was, I've been married for 25 years, so if my wife is listening, <laughs> this is before. <laughs> um, but uh, it just, uh, the most uh, uh, synthetic evening of my life. Could not wait for it to go over. I was chewing my arm trying to get out of there.
2: That's Jeez. pretty big of you to, to donate yourself that's to, right. to you, the cause, That's right. You're doing though. it for a oh, good
1: I was, cause, I was, I was thinking wow. it was a good
3: idea at the time, but, yeah, no, it was a bad idea mm-hmm. at the time. And, and you so know, I know it remains a bad idea. It's yeah. a radio
1: show, but, you know, he's a good-looking guy, and he came in a motorcycle today. So that's important for people to know. Uh, well, here's a little easier one, Shelley. So is, uh, <laughs> what sort of music do you like? It's a music kind of town.
2: Oh, I, I listen to all kind of music, honestly. I have I have kids, and one of my one of my children is a is a 10-year-old girl so of course i listen to a lot of music that i don't particularly want to listen to because that's what she likes to listen to um and my other kids like 80s 70s and 80s so well you're very fine with that yeah i'm totally fine with that
1: so you've got a little bit of Katy
3: perry going in your house
1: a There's lot of Katie. A lot of more <laughs> It's <laughs> okay. all good.
2: It's all good. Robbie, what kind of music
3: <laughs> do you like to listen to? Uh, across the board. But um i uh, right now I'm like into Leonard Cohen's new album. So i it, again sort of introduced by my, my wife's from Ireland. I, all roads lead to Ireland apparently. But uh not that Cohen's Irish, but his uh his latest uh album. Really cool. Stuff. Wow.
1: Your wife's yeah. from Ireland. Wife's from oh, Ireland. That she though? is,
3: yeah. I dragged her over here. That yes is. it will i was
1: telling these guys earlier i was taking a cab in las vegas last week and i and the cab driver was greek and he said uh, i asked him i said do you think the greeks are going to be able to be more austere and he said oh yeah no no question about it he says and then the and the irish will stop telling stories <laughs> you know it's, um, so that was his take on our good problem luck. here. good luck on that the uh, um in terms of expansion uh Robbie, you know we see on claiborne avenue but we uh, you're all over the country you're in you're in the Muslim world, right? Uh, In fact, you you told me something, I heard something kind of interesting that, you can't call it naked pizza over there? That's correct, yeah. What is it, nude pizza? What is it? It's it's
3: the, um, yeah, observing uh, cultural sensitivities, uh, the decision was made to change the name to NKD pizza there. So, phonetically, it sort of gets you to where you want to go and uh, we actually- Can I buy a vowel? Yeah, exactly, even being more (laughs) clever, we actually played hangman (laughs) with it, so. By introducing that name, we actually, that started an interesting conversation in terms of what's the pro-business climate like? Are people willing to actually entertain new and innovative ideas? Because we're very social media dependent, very technology dependent, it allowed us to kind of integrate on that level as in well. In fact,
1: you know, at, at Tulane, you know, I teach Tulane and you're, um, when we hear the name Robbie Vetrano, we, we know about the pizza, but it's really, you're being the leader in this, in social networking, social media. Uh, how did that, how'd you get the two of them together here? Well, it's, uh, it, it's
3: it's 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 it was kind of you know my my trajectory I guess in my own professional world was that uh, and, and first of all thank you because I, I there's a lot of people that are probably a hell of a lot better at social media than I am but it's something I've embraced heavily because I, I like the platform a lot I, I you know as we all get a little bit older we become a little more thoughtful about the outputs of our work you know it's like y- it's not enough just to show up and sort of check the box and say you know. I got that done, fighter pilot, giving me my paycheck. So, <laughs> you know, the cause and effect becomes important. How many resources on the front end do you use and what are the impacts throughout? So what's great about social media is that it actually holds you highly accountable to those ideas. You can't just sort of pay lip service to it, right? I mean, you're engaging in it so when you present an idea, you know, in, in the traditional way. You went out and packaged it beautifully, and you released it very carefully. And it—it it was only only a small amount was actually released. It was the the swan moving on top of the water beautifully, gracefully, while the lakes churned furiously underwater. The modern you know media marketplace, the modern business marketplace, is the reverse, right? You see the lakes churning now. People uh, transparency and authenticity is now the watchword. Uh, people want to know what your corporate social responsibility policy are. Where do you resource your materials? How do you treat your employees? So, social media as a communications platform plays very nicely into that new business expectation and platform. So, for my strict advertising and branding work, social media was a nice place for me to activate the things that I wanted to do to speak truth to power in terms of my relationships with clients and in terms of developing advertising. And, and Robert, I gotta tell
1: you, you've been very generous. I mean, a lot of people you know, get this kind of knowledge and just try to use it to their own benefit. Time to check the inbox. Our producer picks a question that comes in from a listener, and uh, Grant, what have you got?
0: Well, Peter, this week we've actually been flooded, believe it or not, with questions for both of our guests. We put on Twitter who was going to be on our show. And I don't believe it. And we got all <laughs> sorts of questions. So I thought instead of just picking one, I'll just pick one for each of the oh, guests. Oh, great. So Make it an sh- easy one, Grant. Shelley, uh, this is I thought this was pretty interesting. We're this is one 44. guy called Matthew Cambrone who says, do you have a trademark filed or any copyright protection on the hurricane or the shape of the glass or anything about pedos, and have you ever had anyone infringe it?
2: Yes, and yes. Um, actually, I have a huge file cabinet full of trademarking information and files dating back to when we started franchising about, um, I guess it was the mid-'80s, maybe maybe the early-'80s. Um, we started franchising just to, just the name, basically, because the hurricane Name had already exploded, and you can't obviously can't can't franchise once something has hit the market and it's commonplace. So um, when I kind of got into the picture, we started franchise. I'm trademarking everything from the grill work to the name to the shape of the glass. All right,
0: Peter, time for question number two. All this right, it's going over Robert, to Robbie. This is for you from a guy who you might know called Jeff Leach. Oh yeah, I heard of him. That ring a bell? He says, "When are you going to build a sit-down naked pizza in New Orleans, and why are you opening stores in Kenya?"
3: <laughs> <laughs> good question Jeff <laughs> The um, one of the things that um, uh, is actually I, I just came from a conversation uh, talking with uh, some of our partners about actually opening up a, a sit down location here in New Orleans so we're actually working on a, a, a fast casual concept that has a number of features to it that we love and, and because if you understand basically the mission you know that uh, Uh, the company was developed around, you know, the the things that people consider to be important. And uh, you think about the presentation and the fresh food and the product and the experience, it lends itself nicely to it. So a a takeout and delivery location, which is great, but also has some limitations in terms of the level of interaction, something Shelly knows really well. I mean, you guys create an experience, you know, each and every time somebody walks through that door. So one of the things we're really excited about, we're in development and we're looking at Seattle, but we're also looking at here in New Orleans. But developing a concept that is a sit-down concept uh, that would be more of a fast-casual type of, of, of presentation, but allows for people to interact with our store environment, with our people, understand more about the mission, it allows us to get across a little bit more about these things about food that we were talking about earlier, and, and really creates a much richer type of experience. So we're really excited by that, about a 22 to 2,400 square foot location. We've been working very hard on, on creating that design in such a way that, is efficient, you know, has unit economics to it, but also does have that richness of experience. And, and, and again, you know, you were talking about scale and, and impact and, and, you know, your operation and, and some of the things that we're after. One of the things that's important to us, it's not size for size sake and it's not money for money's sake, but it is about that opportunity to reach more people. Start a conversation. So Jeff, who put the question out, Jeff is that anthropologist that specializes in that. and f- In fact, has some personal stories as well. His daughter has type 1 diabetes and that kind of generated a lot of his curiosity and the questions so that plus his research got him into really kind of understanding that and won't go into a lot of detail about the microbial world, but I'll leave you with the idea that you are 10 times more microbial than human, and that's an oh. important feature when it comes to your diet. So even you, Peter, what are 10 times more microbial. great thing to think on Valentine's. So <laughs> so that's yeah, really that's something, something you can build off of. <laughs> but, uh, but My anyhow, name is yeah, Peter. I'm pretty microbial. You're pretty microbial. Despite the beautiful green tide. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're, we're, uh, we're going to be launching that, that concept, and, and that's really exciting. And then uh, I just came back from Nairobi, as I'd mentioned, and... Uh, so in Kenya the um, uh, phenomenal location I mean just a, a wonderful uh, group of people that are in a state of, of some transition I would guess in terms of uh, sort of understanding their uh, their economic potential and bringing together these great resources of of uh, a place that's naturally rich. I mean, it's it's a, it's a growing belt. and in, in Central right. Kenya, in particular, you've got great agricultural business, uh, great industries there, but also this overlay of technology and NGOs that are there, concentrated, and they're coming together and saying, what sort of great business ideas can we develop? We have a wonderful partner who's a native and uh, we're very excited about the idea of opening three or four locations there in Nairobi. I think you've got Shelly thinking about
1: moving around the, wor- the uh, <laughs> planet here. But We're ready. Probably thinking anything but, right? But yeah. I did yeah. want to ask Shelly uh, one question about, uh, we talked about Robbie with the social uh, social media and such, but you have an online division at Patos, right?
2: We have an online catalog. Is that your what yeah. you're referring to? Yes. We've had an online catalog for years. We also have a bottling plant in Jefferson Parish that um, we bottle our full line of mixes. And... Um, I'm sorry what was the other oh, I was question? Say, so, re- social media. Yeah. Um we do right. we we're on Twitter, we have Facebook and I have to say that I kind of stepped out of that whole realm and that's being run by
1: your 15-year-old son. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm telling you. No, <laughs> actually
2: our operations manager took this under his wing years ago, so it's kind of his his uh, specialty and his baby and um, and my marketing director that I just hired last year is also working on it. So um, we're we're aware that the whole social media thing is very important to to getting your point across, and it, it is—you um, do—you it—you do have to be accountable for everything that you do. You hit it right on the head, it, and and I guess have some belief in what's being said on the whatever medium they're they're using is true.
1: Yes, <laughs> that would. <add. laughs> You know, the, uh, Shelley, Robin, this is the part of the show we talk about a, a bigger uh, company in the region, uh, publicly traded company each week. And the, what I wanted to talk about today was a company called Wilbros Group. They're uh, ticker symbols WG. They trade on the New York Stock Exchange. Frankly, the stock's had a very tough time over the last couple of years. But they're the, nation, they're the leader in North America at building pipelines for oil pipelines, gas pipelines. And... Um, And that's a very interesting business. Years and years ago, they were called uh, Williams Brothers. And uh, one of the things that looks exciting for them going forward is we're hitting all these new fracking uh, finds of natural gas around the country. And those wells all have to be connected in somewhere. So we think that uh, students following that stock think that could be kind of an interesting uh, play. They used to be in all over the world. They used to, for instance, do uh, pipelines in Nigeria and places like that that were having war trouble. And they would, of course, be building an 18-mile pipeline and then have it almost done, and then mile three would be blown up, and they would, it was like an annuity for them. But they, uh, <laughs> but they, uh, now they're entirely in North America. We think an interesting uh, interesting play. Uh, Shelley, uh, Robbie, it's been great meeting you today. Uh, both of you represent the very best in New Orleans business, the deep traditions we come from, the bright future ahead of us. Uh, thanks for taking the time to have lunch with me. I thank you. It's been a pleasure. pleasure. Thanks, nice thanks pleasure. Robbie. Thank you, thank you Shelley. My guest today on Out to Lunch have been Shelly Wagespak, co-owner of Pat O'Brien's and Robbie Vitrano, chairman of Trumpet Advertising and co-founder of Naked Pizza. For more information about Shelley's and Robbie's businesses, follow the links on our site, itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday, To Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week. Our producer of a show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our web designer and digital guru is Cliff Brigden. Jennifer Smith is our researcher. Mitch Foreman wrote and performs all the music for Out to Lunch. And you can keep up with our continuing adventures in Crescent City Commerce by liking It's New Orleans on Facebook, and you can follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on iTunes, and check out our other shows on itsneworleans.com. They include Happy Hour, Mindset, and Through to the Game. If you have a question or issue you'd like brought up on Out to Lunch, drop us a line. We're Lunch at itsneworleans.com, or tweet us, we're at It's New Orleans. Thanks to our friends at WWNO, New Orleans source for NPR news, and thank you for joining us at lunch today. Until we meet again around the table here at Commander's Palace, I'm Peter Rashidi. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com.